0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis XIV, and this week is another fabulous B-side episode. So glad that you're all here. Before we get into this week's festivities, I want to share a few notes. The first is that tomorrow night, Friday, June 10th, is Gorgeous Gorgeous, My New Queer pop party in los angeles it is in downtown la at resident it will be tomorrow night beginning at nine going till two there's still a few tickets left and i would absolutely love to see you there love to meet you guys love you to come enjoy a night of queerness queer allyship a panoply of amazing pop music and it's going to be a fucking amazing time. I seriously cannot wait. The link to buy tickets is in my bio on social media and in the show notes. And if you want to go follow social media, it's at djlouiexiv on both Instagram and Twitter and Pop Pantheon Pod on Instagram. There is a Pop Pantheon Pod Twitter, but I don't update it cuz I just can't deal with it, but it does exist. So, I really hope to see you guys at Gorgeous Gorgeous tomorrow night, June 10th resident downtown LA ticket link is in the show notes and there will also be tickets at the door so see y'all there please don't forget to rate and review pop pantheon on apple podcasts and on spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts it really helps us get the show in front of more people and hop in the discord chat the discord is so much fun I would love to hear your guys thoughts on this episode get in there and share what you have thought about things we've talked about on the podcast. If you want to get in there and talk about certain events that are happening in contemporary pop music, like Demi's new album or Carly Rae's new tour. There's so many people in there that just love to bite into all these topics and we always get into a fun little kiki together. Not to reference last week's episode too much, but I really recommend you get in there and share your thoughts on episodes on pop. What have you? Link for that is in the show notes and also in my bios on social media. And check out Spotify, Place for all the episodes. There will be one for this particular episode. And this B-side is about a topic that's come up enough times on Pop Pantheon that I felt like it deserved its own little deep dive. You know that I like to use these episodes to enrich certain topics that seem to come up on the show a lot that we don't have time to dive into in depth on a full episode, And this episode on Bloghouse is a topic that's come up in the Robin episode. It's come up in last week's Scissor Sisters episode. It's come up in the Kesha episode when we talked about how TikTok was a kind of a direct rip of a Justice and Uffy song. So I thought this micro-movement that happened in the mid-aughts through the early 2010s could be a really interesting topic to dive a little bit deeper into, explain what it is, explain what the contours of bloghouse were, how it influenced an entire generation and sound of a generation of pop stars including Gaga, Katy Perry, Kesha as I mentioned and numerous others. And I also just think it's fun to get to highlight this music because I think Fans of Pop Pantheon will like a lot of these tunes, which are very pop adjacent, and I think will be a great addition to a playlist that included many of the actual mainstream pop hits from this era. So here's my conversation with Lena Abascal, who recently wrote an entire book on Bloghouse. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, so I am here with Lena Abascal, who is the author of the book Never Be Alone Again How Bloghouse United the Internet and the Dance Floor. She literally wrote the book on Vloghouse, (laughs) our topic for today. Lena. welcome to Pop Pantheon.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yay. Yay. I'm psyched about this. You know, usually on the podcast, we devote entire episodes to a pop star's career. Mm -hmm. And we do these supplementary episodes about topics that come up a lot on the podcast that we feel like enrich people's understanding of the Pop Pantheon in general. Yeah. And- Bloghouse continuously comes up on episodes, oh gosh. notably about Robin, which was one of our mm. earliest episodes, and also recently on an episode about Kesha, where we mm. talked extensively about the way that Justice or Justices the Party influenced TikTok and how also yeah. how Uffy influenced Kesha's sound. So yes. I thought it would be informative for listeners because bloghouse, I think, is a difficult thing to like wrap your head around in terms of a musical genre and a movement. To have the expert on bloghouse come on here <laughs> and help illuminate us on some of
1: yeah, I'm here to help.
0: <laughs> how did you get into this topic? Like, how did you become the foremost expert?
1: Oh my gosh, stressful. But I guess technically you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, I was a fan and involved in the scene at the time, mm-hmm. so was going to these shows as they were happening in 2006, when I was in high school. And then as I went to college, and then on the absolute end of college, first year out was kind of when it was ending for me. So this is really like the formative music of my youth, aside from like emo, screamo, warp tour, which is what I was into before this, and to an extent in tandem, which might seem hard to believe. But as we talk, you'll realize that it actually makes a lot of sense. I was there, I was in it. I was a blogger at the time, I kind of Didn't really do any like clubs in high school, but I always wanted to be a writer. And I found this, it was a newspaper. This is going to make me seem old, but I'm really not that old. A newspaper in a vintage store on Melrose, just at the door. And I like picked it up. It was free. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I was with my mom, like looking for dresses or whatever. And then I go home and I called them. And I was like, can I write for you guys? And I lied and said I went to Santa Monica City College, even though I was in (laughs) high school. And they were like, okay, send us some samples. And so I didn't have any samples, obviously. So I just made up – I had gone to concerts all the time. So I just like reviewed a concert I had been to just on my own. And then Mm -hmm. I emailed it to them. And I started writing for them. And then later that turned into a blog. And so I kind of was participating in this shift from analog, magazine, newspaper, to digital media and indie media. And this was one of the biggest sounds that was part of that. So I just felt really strongly about not only talking about the music and reminiscing, the nostalgia part is fun and cool, but also, like you mentioned, giving people context as to what happened in this time and how it informs now. Not mm. just memory lane, hee hee, like there's a lot to learn from this and I think that's kind of the most interesting part.
0: I agree and I'm looking forward to learning it because Blockhouse is something I you know, similarly to you, you know, my main profession my whole adult life has been DJing and my mm-hmm. DJ career really began in New York in around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, mm-hmm. which is like when this movement was yeah. kind of in full swing. And I didn't even realize that it was all part of a movement called Bloghouse at the time. Like that's something- Because it wasn't. Con- right, Don't right. worry. <laughs> yeah, like I just remember this era of Simeon, Mobile Disco and yeah. Justice and Uffy as we talked about and Cut Copy and- yes, totally. Crystal Castles and this whole vibe was so huge to the point where even though I've always been mostly focused on pop as a DJ, that stuff was so big at the time that even if I was doing a pop, you could kind of play that stuff in the club, mm-hmm. yeah, in, in the same breath as you would be playing, as we mentioned, like Gaga and Kesha, and like, totally. There was connections there, and I also remember, weirdly enough, thinking before Gaga really happened, and she was dropping songs like "Beautiful," "Dirty Rich," and stuff like that. That like somehow that was tangentially connected mm-hmm. to Bloghouse in a weird, totally.
1: Way. Yeah, she was going to these parties. When you go to Europe, like, dance music is pop music, is radio music. Their number one hits are house music songs. And that Mm -hmm. is just not the case here. Pretty recently, like, our pop music has become hip-hop. There's dance-influenced stuff like Dua Lipa and whatnot. But this was kind of a big, big first-time moment where dance music and pop culture and pop music in America were crossing over. So I think that's also an interesting thing. And people like Gaga and people like Katy Perry participating Mm -hmm. in these scenes and coming out of it is just really interesting, so I totally make sense for us to be on Pop Pantheon talking about
0: Bloghouse. I I agree. I can't wait. So I think the first question I've got to ask you here, and it's a big one, and it's one we've already <laughs> touched on a little bit, but say you're explaining this to somebody that's never heard this term before, my what, parents, exactly. <laughs> Pretend you're talking to your parents. What is Bloghouse in just broad no. strokes?
1: Absolutely. So Bloghouse is interesting because unlike something like punk, hardcore, disco, acid house, whatever, it's not just about the way something sounds. Like if you played a bunch of songs and you were like, find the sonic similarities and bundle them under Blog House, it would be quite hard. Mm. Because the reason why, and again, this name was created after the fact. It was buzzing a little. This blog hipster runoff and some of these DJs in LA named their house, the Blog House, kind of tongue in cheek. But this was (laughs) not something people were calling it in the moment. So if you've never heard this term, You are not alone and that's totally normal, but you've probably heard a lot of the songs. Right. So the reason why it's called Blog House is because House obviously referencing like dance music, but these are all songs that gained popularity via blogs. In the mid 2000s, early 2000s, you know this, I know this, but for our listeners, blogs were truly a legitimate source of music discovery and sharing. And I'm not talking about like mommy homemaker blogs, which kind of had a heyday before Instagram. I was part of a five person blog and it was called Groove Effect and we posted about dance music and we posted about concerts in our area and art. And it was essentially cultural curation Mm. that was not run by any sort of brand. There were no ads. It was unmonetized. It was not a super beautiful website. It was through Blogspot or some really simple CMS tool. And it was totally just like a passion project. And there were hundreds, thousands, but like a popular, at least like a hundred popular ones. And then, you know, way more smaller ones. Blogs curating songs. And this was before Spotify. So there was no third party to create the playlist to then embed on the blog. They were actually linking out to these kind of illegal downloading links from things like zippy and like zshare all these transfer sites so you would click on the link and sometimes it would be broken by then mm-hmm. download a hard file of the mp3 that you would then have on your computer yeah. so if you were a dj that was great though it uh-huh. sounded like shit cuz the quality was shit as uh-huh. you know uh-huh. um
0: but totally i still have some method. of those files on my computer right? when i go to play them now i like make notes in my phone of, like oh i definitely downloaded this from zippy share in 2008 and i need to go on itunes and buy the like legitimate sound right? file at this point <laughs> And some
1: of those don't even exist. So it's kind of like in this little limbo. But yeah, so it's a totally different method of finding music. Now you probably find music through the algorithm, whether you use Apple Music or Spotify. Or if you're a little bit more of like a real head, you might read blogs like The fader pitchfork whatever and even those that's kind of the last lingering bit and those are owned by companies these were kind of like those but much more diy right it was nobody's full-time job so anyways this was all music that was getting popular through these i hate using this like hipster but yeah like DIY. this is the hipster era
0: this was a hipster heyday Yeah. yeah so
1: that's what this is and so some of the songs are remixes of indie rock songs some of them are indie rock songs themselves Some of them are dance music songs with no samples, no lyrics. Mm -hmm. Some of them are rap songs. Some of them are kind of a hybrid rap dance. So sonically, there's a lot of range, which is really fun and cool. But the through line is that they all got popular through these blogs in this era. And in the book, I define this era as 2006 to 2011. So five Mm -hmm. years, really, really small period. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think often it kind of just becomes this blip. And it's like, I sometimes get comments on stuff about the book, like people are just making up whatever they want these days right, this right, is right. nobody cares about this and I, I don't argue with people online but sometimes people in the comments will be like well actually <laughs> so it is fun to see like yes this was a small moment it was very diy and it fizzled into big corporate edm so if you blinked you might not have seen this but then when we talk about it people will realize oh shit i actually do remember those songs or oh, I see how these artists influenced these other artists, or the technology was a huge part of it, like both the access and the limits.
0: Mm. You know, one thing that I'm thinking about is I remember in terms of how I was consuming and downloading music at the time you're making me remember, like, I would find equally the songs that we now deem to be blog house and also mainstream pop leaks in similar ways. And sometimes Mm -hmm. on the same blogs, like, yes, there'd be Mastercraft or Whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. the gossip, and they'd all be sitting there alongside like a Gaga demo leak mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So, I guess what I'm trying to ask is is it intrinsic to Bloghouse that it couldn't cross over and be mainstream pop in order to be officially deemed Bloghouse?
1: I don't think so because i think that like early gaga i found out about just dance yeah. through this blog Agreed. so i was like okay to me that book <laughs> but right. also you could say like graduation era kanye where he's taking influence and samples from daft punk yeah. and a track is his tour dj right sure kanye's already famous so you're not finding out about him through blogs per se yeah. but the sound the sound is kind of blog house nah, nah, nah,
0: that, that I know I got to be right now Cause I can't get much stronger Man, I've been waiting all night now That's so long I've been on ya
1: I don't think that you have to be underground and never gotten famous to be considered right. bloghouse at all I think a right. lot of these artists Like Justice has a Grammy And like a lot of, you know, the yeah,
0: yeah, yeahs N- not, not necessarily Grammy But it feels like it has to be somewhat Not underground per se But a little mm-hmm. bit left of the radio
1: Yeah, no, totally. This was exactly. So when you think about old methods of discovery, like currently it's algorithm here, it was blogs, but before it was blogs, it was the club, the record shop and the radio. Right, like, that's right. how you found music. They're not going to have mixtapes. So, then mixtape culture, you know, people are selling stuff out of their cars. There's all these different ways. But I agree with you that Bloghouse kind of was in this limbo where it wasn't on the radio. Right. And a lot of it was never formally sold because it had uncleared samples. It wasn't right. mastered. Mm. It was very made on the fly. So, kind of the only place it could exist was online in these links. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: It's like, yes, totally.
1: A lot of it wasn't official enough. Some of it was. But a lot of it was like these. Unofficial remixes, uncleared samples, unmastered stuff, like I mentioned, bad sound quality. So it couldn't make it to, like, an official vinyl or CD pressing. It wouldn't have ended up on the radio. Right. But because the internet existed there was this Got place it. for yeah, it to thrive and it's sense. pre-streaming and even if streaming did exist a lot of this couldn't be uploaded because of those reasons like YouTube came out during this but sometimes YouTube would rip your stuff because you didn't own it
0: it's really interesting actually to think about how different music consuming culture was during this yeah. period and this did feel one of like the last vestiges of renegade underground music culture because I think part of what's happened in the streaming era is everything has become corporatized yeah even if it isn't mainstream pop music yes nobody consumes music in this sort of illicit way anymore Totally. that was part of the appeal was like the discovery of things through kind of vetted gatekeepers that you were talking about like these blogs and I remember I can't even remember the names of the ones I used to check every single day I do remember this feeling of like I really trust what this blog is putting out here is like the next big thing and kind of just downloading almost everything I might find on one of these these oh, yeah.
1: Totally. Like the hunt was so
0: fun. Yeah, right. And
1: obviously, that shirt, sure, I don't want to say like nobody does that. Obviously, some people do that, yeah. that crate digging mentality. But it was really a part of the thrill. Yeah. And exactly. Like, You would have your favorite blogs and then they would list their favorite blogs and you could go on this seemingly endless wormhole, Mm -hmm. though the internet was so much smaller then in terms Mm -hmm. of like amount of content, than now it felt massive because we were all on it for the first time, kind of. Like I talk about in the book, during this period, internet at home in the US went from like 40% of people to 60% of people. A lot of people were getting smartphones for the first time. They were getting iPods and portable music that at scale, not a CD player for the first time. This wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But all of those elements really play into that sort of like hunting culture. You would think, okay, the internet's out. There's all this technology, so everyone can have all these songs. Yeah. Why wasn't corporate America, corporate wherever? jumping on the opportunity to do this and the, like they are now and the reason is because this is coming off of the back end of napster yeah so they're like oh shit music we're fucked we're never <laughs> how are we gonna make money yeah the whole game has changed we don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole right. and this is only for five years right then they're all over it because right. in those five years in between the demise of the old world and napster and spotify apple music for five years All of these bloggers, DIY people made their own ecosystem. And then after the fifth year, America's like, oh, shit, we have the blueprint of how to do this. Let's go in. Let's make our own music festivals, our own music blogs, our own modes of discovery, our own algorithmic curation. But they didn't want to do that until they knew there was a demand. Yeah. This was unknowingly setting the precedent for a lot of stuff that we now know.
0: You know, you're making me think two things. One is also, I think we didn't use social media in the same way that we do now. So these blogs almost functioned as a way of discovery that maybe would now be something that would happen on Twitter or TikTok Mm -hmm. or whatever. The other question I had for you is, and I want to use this as a launching pad to take a little bit of a step-by-step historical trip through this, but is one unifying thread, I guess, in the aesthetics of the music that it has to be danceable because I know the movement is tied to club culture. It contains the word house, which obviously immediately calls to mind dance music. So you were mentioning, and I think this is so true, like it's really not a genre in the sense that it could be a rap song. It could be a kind Mm -hmm. of new disco-y sounding song. It could be more of like an electronica sounding. I mean, there's lots of different things that this houses. But is one of the unifying threads aesthetically the fact that it had to be somewhat club friendly in some sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I should have mentioned that before. Yeah, of course. With like the suffix house, like uh, that's what that's alluding to. So if it's a rap song, if it's an indie rock remix, it is danceable. And like I say in the title, like this music had a massive community online, but it wasn't just online. It was very, very much IRL too. So that's kind of what I mean, like the internet and the dance floor. Like these songs were being created so fast, Mm -hmm. put online so fast, downloaded so fast, And then the cycle is then they got played out so fast. So the timeline of song creation to dancing at the club used to be so much longer. And now it's like a matter of hours, which is a first ever thing because they were willing to forego some of that pristine quality. Mm. Someone like an A-track or a DJ AM or whoever, RIP, they could make a song, throw it up or just give a friend a USB and then a friend somewhere else can play the song in the club. And it's all buzzing online at the same time. And that kind of synergy. There were all of these parties and I obviously that parties are not new, but there was this huge network of 200 capacity club nights, a lot of them during the week. Right. There was a huge, mm. huge amount of people You're partying during to my the week. Whole early <laughs> right? right now. Yeah. In Los Angeles, which is where I grew up, you could go to a party that was playing Bloghouse music every single night of yeah. the week,
0: mm-hmm. seven
1: days. Some mm-hmm. of them competing. There yeah. would be 21 plus, 18 plus, yeah. all ages. Yeah. All over town, and that's showing. Like LA was one of the capitals of it. Yeah. But it was massive in person, mm-hmm. and there was someone like yourself per se. Like a local resident DJ would have founded a club night. They would open maybe them and a friend, and then they Mm -hmm. would have a headliner come in. But sometimes the club night would become so beloved, they wouldn't even need a headliner Mm -hmm. because people were coming – for the brand of the club,
0: this was the sound of, at least in my experience, New York club music. In and all of New York club venues at this particular time were also yeah. about a hundred or two hundred people crammed into a small space yeah. on the Lower East Side in Williamsburg, you know, wherever it was at that particular moment. Even yeah. in the Meatpacking District, this music was the sound of New York club culture. And what I'm really fascinated by with what you're talking about is that the way that this provided some form of a launch pad for dance music's takeover of mainstream pop radio, which, it definitely did and I also think weirdly also like caused the death of some of the better parts of Bloghouse because totally. as dance music mainstreamed then these clubs also in tandem with sort of like Rising Rents and whatever started to cater more and more towards bigger and broader audiences Lower East yes. Side lost its cool factor and all of a sudden I remember literally living through this time where like I could play sets in the same venue that as I said were equally kind of leaning on Hercules and Love Affair mm-hmm. I knew that the stars could only get brighter. they were on whatever the big pop hit was of the moment and slowly it would transition to the point where it was like you couldn't play those records
1: anymore. 1000% because the audience had shifted and again I hate to be one to like oh now it's uncool like you know there's so many factors but just like you said when you asked about is it does it have to be dancey I think that my answer is yes because in tandem this was also the latter end of the Strokes LCD sound system Mm -hmm. like guitar music and that being so big getting remixed was an accessible point for many to go from indie rock to dance mm. for the first time. The Rapture literally has that song that's like, people don't dance no more, they just stand there like this. Not
0: the fucking Rapture. <laughs> cowbell that's
1: kind of you know what was happening it was that cool i'm wearing my vintage sweater and i'm looking too cool for school with my fake glasses kind of like looking pissy because that was what was cool and then finally they kind of start tapping their toe moving their arms a little and suddenly someone goes from being oh i don't dance to heel clicking to a chromio song and that pipeline happened real fast so exactly what you're saying
0: it's a fascinating combo of I think also sort of like ironic hipster culture in the sense that like when you're talking about the indie rock movement that preceded it, if you're talking about the strokes, if you're talking about that whole wave. you're dealing with bands that are looking towards past forms of cool mm-hmm. and acceptable music as inspiration. And yeah. I feel like what's also unique about Bloghouse is take a group like Chromeo. They're sort of cherry picking what we're seen as, uncool forms of dance mm-hmm. music in the past, disco, things that were deemed cheesy and sort of taking them through their like ironic hipster lens and like making yeah. them cool. That was such a huge part of that movement. Like
1: 1000 percent It's campy.
0: It's campy, like incorporate like <laughs> sort of making cool again genres that had been like kind of culturally derided in the past. Totally. Sure that you're not that shy.
1: The same way it's like, yeah, like do you like rock or do you like disco? And it's like, now, thank God. And this is one of the upsides of technology. It's not as expensive or difficult to learn about music and consume and own music, or we don't even need to own it anymore. So you don't have to be a genre purist. And like, this was a moment where people could like multiple things because it was easier to learn. Actually, liking
0: multiple things was like a personality trait, and like has only continued (laughs) to be. Like, I listen to everything. This is like the personification of the I listen to everything. Yeah, but that
1: used to be like people wanted to be like I only like this. It used mm-hmm. to be cool and I'm sure you talk about this on the pod too like oh, yeah. I remember it used to be so cool to be like I've never even heard a Lady Gaga song. Of
0: course like, or like when I was growing up I, I would just talked about this we just recently did an episode on TRL about how much with my like straight guy friends I had to pretend that I only listened to like punk and ska because that was like yeah. what they were into. Everything felt very separated out mm-hmm. and like you were in a click and you had your type of music. This was definitely an era and Bloghouse, I think, helped facilitate this in some ways. Where being into lots of different things, and also the pop optimism happening concurrently to it, where like it was cool to be like, "Yeah, I listen to this cooler underground music," and I'm also understand that like "Bad Romance" is a great song. Like, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. That was like a mo- the duality. A moment of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: you would think like it's so dumb that that even had to be. Like- I know
0: it's ridiculous, but it's,
1: it, this really was a culture clash. And just like you were saying, the way that the indie rock music is picking from like grunge and also like. 70s rock but right. like cool stuff right. and then this is picking from like cheesy 80s yeah, stuff and yeah. it, it's almost like a rebellion it's not cool but something about it was
0: cool it was cool I, they made that stuff cool they made they gave it the patina yeah because that music is cool and great it's really yeah. only the fact that it suffered from racism homophobia in retrospect yeah and also like you know fun uh, as hell and also a looking down <laughs> upon like the tastes of younger people like that yes. is a huge part of so before we go on, I'd love if you could just give us like a short, kind of broad strokes history of Bloghouse. Let's start with this. What do you see as the big boom or the beginning of this movement? Like, how did it start? Who were the major groups in the beginning?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of as I was mentioning, to understand why Bloghouse felt new and radical in any way, you have to think about what dance music was like at the time, which was mm-hmm. in the US, again, like obviously it was more mainstream in Europe, it was Moby. <laughs> And it was Eminem saying nobody listens to techno, and mm. techno not being about actually the subgenre of techno, but just any like uns uns. Mm-hmm. People thinking it's just people in a warehouse that you don't even know where it is. It's just not accessible unless you're like a real head.
0: Yeah.
1: It existed. Obviously, rave culture is so cool and has existed especially in LA, and New York, but like it was not even close to the mainstream.
0: Right. So, that's where we're at. Another very hip-hop dominated period of popular music. The early mm-hmm. and mid-2000s, mm-hmm. I talk about this on the podcast a lot, were a time in American mainstream music where everything felt like it had to be hip-hop adjacent, whether you're talking about actual kind of crossover rap stars like Ja Rule, Nelly, whatever, mm-hmm. or you're talking about the mainstream pop girlies of the moment, your Jennifer Lopez's, etc., all had to kind of be conversant more with R&B and hip-hop than mm-hmm. with dance music at this particular yeah. time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like yeah. we go from pristine pop to more hip-hop, uh, right. what the industry would have called cabal. Capital U, urban music. Exactly. <laughs> um, and <laughs> God, we know what they meant. Yeah, um, we
0: sure do.
1: So that's what dance music was like. And then yeah. we have indie rock that's bubbling up, but it's kind of too cool for school. Mm-hmm. I mark in the book, in 2006, Daft Punk plays at Coachella. Mm. Coachella is the seminal music festival. It was two days then. It was one weekend It was not what it is now. It wasn't even what it is in 2012. It was so different. But Daft Punk plays and they put them in a small stage. And this is when they do the Pyramid set. And it just ignites something. And again, this is anecdotal. But like it ignites something in American youth in party culture, that is unlike anything else, mm. and that sound—obviously, Daft Punk has been around for like over ten years. By then, that sound is present in so much of Bloghouse, and also Daft Punk being affiliated with their manager Busy P, who creates Ed Banger Records, who signs Justice, blah blah blah. Like you can track it from there.
0: What is that sound when you say that sound?
1: I don't know. I felt like it was like accessible to rock lovers because it right. was headbanging, like, mm-hmm. 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 and you're like, if you feel this like intensity like this alien rave
0: <laughs> yeah well i think um, i think if like if some like kind of euro dance music is very synthetic there's a funk to what daft punk does yeah but using electronic instruments it's like yeah. synthesized funk dance music or something like yeah
1: that. Like, this was not, like... And I love this kind of music, too. Cascada, Eurodance, yes, style right. Like, techno CDs you buy at the yes, kiosk at the mall right. that my dad likes, which yeah. I also like. It yeah. felt, like, almost like a primal vibe. Like, you just are, like... Uh-huh. It was just... So powerful.
0: Yeah, very epic in scale. Yeah,
1: so epic, cinematic. Yes, Also, when you think about it, it's like people were thinking about DJs. They think of a wedding DJ. They think of a DJ for a rapper. This is the spectacle of the DJ. It's two guys in fucking helmets. There's the mysterious anonymity of it. There's the stage production with the lighting. It feels like a show. And you're just like, oh, this is rock and roll.
0: And it feels like Daft Punk is seismic, both in terms of... Influencing bloghouse aesthetics, like in terms of how this music sounded, although we have said that there's no unified sound. I think if you had to point to like yeah, the main yeah. big boom point, that would be Daft Punk. Because also, Daft Punk treaded the line between making electronic dance music and having indie credibility. Like they always yeah. were walking that line. And yeah. Also Daft Punk is I guess the big boom point for the EDM DJ boom that is going to follow as you're laying out like the festival. Totally. They're kind of the simultaneous boom and I think this show at Coachella you're pointing out which was such a huge phenomenon like in blog world especially yeah. and in clubs too cuz I can remember that was the moment even though as you said Daft Punk had been around for 10 years when Daft Punk became like the coolest Thing to be in, yeah. All right, so totally. go on. You're talking about Coachella, so I think
1: that's a really big tentpole moment in it. Mm-hmm. Like people have this horrible grainy footage. Even the amount of people that congregated to watch that, it was so clear that the bookers and the people who like set up Coachella had no idea how popular it was going to be. Right. And you can kind of see elements of that happen now sometimes, where you're like, oh, someone's at a stage that they've already outgrown from when they were assigned to totally, it. Yeah. And this was like a really big example of that. Mm -hmm. So that's a big moment in it. And so if we're saying 2006 to 2011, between those years, you start getting a lot of, now that dance music is getting more popular among young, cool people, if you want to promote an indie rock artist as that's kind of tapering off, you get these people to remix their songs. So one indie rock song would have like 10 remixes <laughs> five official, a bunch unofficial, whatever. What's a
0: good example?
1: Oh my gosh, I love the Yaya yeah, yeah, Yeah's Heads Will oh, yeah. Roll, A Track Remix. That's a classic. <gasps> Gossip Soul Wax remix. Oh, classic. Um yeah, yeah. You have like Little Boots and
0: LaRue remixes, Little so we boots. have- But okay, here's a question. Are Little Boots and LaRue and the Gossip blog house on their own without the remixes? I think so. Yeah, I think so too.
1: Those songs were buzzing. Yeah. On blogs, and they weren't being played on American radio. Yeah, it's
0: so true. They
1: were like alt pop, mm-hmm. but now that alt pop has the resources of mainstream pop, someone like a Tuvlo, Charlie, it's like right. sure they're alt because of their look and sort of. Charlie would
0: have been bloghouse. Yes, if what was going on with Charlie right now was happening yes. in 2007. She would have been deemed bloghouse.
1: Totally, Charlie and Ag would have been like the cool bloghouse yes. BFFs.
0: Right, and this speaks to what I mentioned earlier about Robin, which is that this has always been the big mystery story around Robin to me is that Robin, in one world, you could have seen things going differently for Robin and she's Katy Perry. You know what I mean? Like her music isn't so sonically dissimilar to Katy Perry's, but because I guess she always had the patina of being like just sort of to the left of the center or being like Mm -hmm. incredibly cool or whatever it is. I feel like Robin was kind of part of this blog house movement, especially on that self titled pre-dancing on my own, whatever that was, the one with like Cobra style and like with every heartbeat felt like it was part of Blockhouse, too. Totally. And it hurts with every heartbeat.
1: And I think with Robin, maybe it's because she's from Sweden and they have their own pop lineage and like her appearance, her dancing style, working with like Max Martin. Like she has all the resources, but she wants to do her own shit. And that's what I love about her. Uh But even someone like Katy Perry, I mean, was going to all of these parties. Sure. Lady Gaga was going to all of these parties, both photographed by the Cobra Snake, who was like the main photographer of the time. They were going to Dimack Tuesdays. Like they were... In this scene, De for
0: excuses. sure. Listen, Lady Gaga, I remember before all of it happened, associating her with the gossip, mm-hmm. it felt like she was... Part of this, weirdly enough, which maybe was just the marketing strategy working on me or whatever, but... I think she was. She felt in conversation even sonically and aesthetically with this on some level.
1: Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, I saw Lady Gaga open for Steve Aoki at like a Puma free party.
0: <laughs> her whole thing was like, I'm a cool New York club kid. Like, I go yeah. out to these parties. As you said, that was like her whole vibe. Alright, so once we get into 06, 07, 08, like who are kind of like the main bloghouse moments here?
1: So... 2007 is a big year in Bloghouse because we have Justice's self titled album Cross come out. Mm-hmm. That album is inspired by Daft Punk. It is so cinematic, it is so intense, it's so rock and roll. Many of the songs have no vocal samples. It's something you would want to listen to driving really fast. Then you also have a song with Uffie. Then, of course, you have D-A-N-C-E, which is one of the most known Bloghouse songs. Right. So do the D-A-N-C-E, one, two, three, four, five. You know, yeah. like that song, people singing it in the club, people dancing to it. You can like put a name to a face. That song is just so big in this.
0: Dance songs about dancing are a big <laughs> part of Bloghouse. Yes, like.
1: they really are. I was on a different podcast and they were comparing Bloghouse in some ways to like disco and house music, and I was like, "Yes, in a sense, but it was really apolitical
0: and self-referential like, and ironic. Yeah. <laughs> like it was almost like a commentary on itself at the same time. Yeah, like even that repeating sample though, do the d a n c. Yeah, it almost feels like a child's sing-song rhyme. So it's almost yeah. like not it's like taking a itself choir. too serious. It's silly it's on some It's
1: really level. not that deep. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, <laughs> obviously the people making this music have their own views yeah. and whatever, but it was very different from other dance musical movements. Yeah, This one was very apolitical yeah. and it was just really about partying. It was really about the youth's take on rock and roll, which yeah. now was dancing, mm. electronic music, utilizing technology to do new things. It was very fun and I think when people ask, why is this coming back now? And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I think a lot of it has to do with like a 20 year trend cycle, 10 year trend cycle. The 20-year moving to the 10-year. Yeah. But I think it also is like people just want to be gross and rock and roll. And I don't give a shit. And this era was the last time we were that.
0: And the escapism. I mean, yeah. on the Kesha episode, like we post-COVID. talked about this. Yeah, post-COVID. And back then, we were like, I mean, we haven't had the recession yet, but we're moving into the like great yeah. recession. There is this feeling of wanting to escape into the night that I think a lot of these songs share in common. The other thing I want to talk about with D-A-N-C-E is if you want to start to sort of track the influence of Bloghouse on Mainstream. Yeah. D-A-N-C-E is sampled, I think, maybe the next year in Jay-Z's On to the Next One, mm. which becomes like a pretty big rap crossover pop radio hit. And That was also an era where I remember Jay Z and Beyonce in particular, maybe because of the Solange connection, who, and like Solange feels like Mm -hmm. somehow tangentially related to this movement, was bringing Jay Z and Beyonce to like festivals and they were out seeing like Grizzly Bear and like 1000%. So when you hear a song like On to the Next One, which is just like essentially a Swiss Beats rap banger from like I love that song. Yeah, that (laughs) that has a prominent sample from Justice's D A N C. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And then also on Watch the Throne, there's a song I Love You So. Oh, yes. Which is from Cassius' I Love You So, which is an amazing song, awesome mm-hmm. video. I know, but I know, I hey, I love you so, But why I love you I
0: never know. Put you, if you will, that the throne's burning. throne's burning, and I'm sitting in the corner all alone.
1: So, like exactly, like you have Solange influencing Jambi about indie artists, but then at the same time, you know, you have Kanye and Jay's friendship and work relationship. And Kanye's tour DJ was A-Trak, the right. owner of Fool's Gold Records, right. who also made a bunch of Bloghouse music and distributed a bunch of it through his label. He was putting Kanye on. So it's like you can literally track yeah. it. Like A-Trak told me that Kanye had never heard Daft Punk. And then he put him onto it and was oh like, oh, God. shit. And that leads to Stronger. Wow. And then Kanye starts going to Dim Mac Tuesdays, even though he's very famous at yeah. the time. And he's getting in with Busy P and all of Ed Banger's people. Right. He kind of has his own blog, Kanye University. Yeah. I remember he would put Tyler, the Creator, Lana Del Rey, really like early work from them on his blog. Whereas now, you know, he would just tweet a video or whatever. But yeah. you can really track the influence of this onto mainstream pop and hip hop music for sure. It, it's undeniable.
0: And also, speaking of a track I mean, isn't Barbra Streisand by Duck Sauce a kind yeah. of quintessential Blackout song? Yeah, absolutely. It's so silly. <laughs> That's a really good example also, just like a strident banging dance song mm-hmm. that centers around an incredibly ridiculous repeated sample. Like, Yes. That. Barbra Streisand. Yeah.
1: Yes, I just saw them play that when they played at Coachella like a month ago. And A Track was so kind to write the foreword to this book. And in yeah. it, he talks about how he argues, he literally has a quote that's like, all popular music today is disseminated from Bloghouse.
0: BTS, Dua Lipa, uh-huh. everybody. I have often thought that Dua Lipa's future nostalgia is less a nod at actual disco and more a nod at both Bloghouse disco, like Chromio.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: late 90s, like new disco, like Jamiroquai, than it is mm-hmm. actually like nodding at like Donna yeah. Summer or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel that. Yeah. For
1: sure. And even the fact that she did that like remix pack with Bless Madonna and other yeah. people and like the idea of promoting your remix pack as popular as your main is yeah. very blog house. Yeah. I um, mean, d- and,
0: and also Don't Start Now to me sounds more like a Chromio song or like a Giga Mesh remix than it does mm, like anything from an actual Sister disco or something. song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah, so like you were saying, it's like this five-year period, it's really interesting because it's like, you know, there is the mainstream, there is the underground, they are more separate than they are now, Yeah. but this music unites them, and we also have to talk about someone like a DJ AM, who was the highest paid DJ in the world Mm -hmm. during this time. And And the creator
0: of open format DJing, more Mm -hmm. or less, which is like... If you go out now and see a DJ, this is what I do, this is what a lot of DJs do. And the art form is essentially mixing very fast and playing lots of different, disparate sounding things together. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go out and you hear a DJ and you're like, oh my God, like, how is he connecting this contemporary rap song to this 70s disco song to this night, whatever, like, blah, 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 blah. DJ AM was essentially the big boom of that particular form of DJing and was the best at it ever.
1: And because of that, the nature of that, he's a perfect bridge from this underground, internet-y small clubs to... He was literally dating Nicole Richie, who's BFFs with Paris Hilton right. and Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears are going to these clubs in Hollywood that are literally down the street from these other clubs in Hollywood. And there's stories about him testing his mixes at the Bloghouse crowd because mm-hmm. they were a little bit more judgy. And he would right. say like, if it hits here, then I can go play it at my
0: $100,000 gig later. Totally, totally. And he
1: was getting all of these songs in his email from Nick Catchdubs of Fool's Gold and A-Track and getting CDs from Paris. And he's playing them. Out to the most famous people in the world. Yes, and so he's really straddling that, and so that's like a perfect example of how these things were bridging. And I think also with dance music, if everyone's association is just like uns, 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 twelve-minute yeah. songs with no right. vocals, which is right. obviously not all of it, but that's a stereotype. And then you have these songs that are structured more like pop totally. songs. Totally, I was three, just going to say they're this. three minutes, they're yes. three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. They have either original vocals or they have vocal samples. That are repeated and they're structured in this chorus, call and response it, way. I mean, if so you think easy. about
0: these anthemic choruses like We Are Your Friends, I mean, what and like sort of like mm-hmm. scream along chorus. Or if you're talking about like a remix of an existing indie pop song, like a Track's remix of the Yeah, yeah, yeah's yeah. Heads of With head. roll. Heads with Your Roll. Yeah, yeah. Heads with yeah. Roll. These are centered around screaming a chorus more yes. so than sort of like your as you were saying, your sort of like 12-minute house song that was built yeah. around drops and many times vocalists. Sort Mm -hmm, of like drop and release.
1: So it's really accessible to people that are maybe like wouldn't have considered themselves fans of dancing exactly. or they'd be like I like to go to the club right. and dance to pop but they weren't listening to it by themselves so I think it was like a pop lens on dance
0: yeah. and that speaks to the poptimism thing which is that like it didn't matter that these songs were pop they could still be cool and that's what's mm-hmm. such a f- I think is so foundational I mean we talked about Charlie we've talked about Robin like there's this whole movement now of, uh, of pop stardom that we talk about frequently on the show of like mm-hmm. what we call niche legends on the show which are like mm-hmm. people that make pure pop music music Essentially, but yet like have no charting hits and are sort of seen and, and work mm-hmm. as an indie band might have worked in yes. the 2000s, like Charlie, Carly Rae Jepson, you know, yeah. Robin, Rena Saw, Rena Marina, <laughs> Rina Sawayama. Yeah. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. a whole world that exists now that I think really kind of came out of this movement. Essentially, like yeah. it, this movement opened up the realm for those artists to exist. Essentially, yes, yes. All absolutely. right, so you were talking about Justice in 07. What happens next?
1: Then we have ex- another example, and I have this in my list of like songs you've probably heard that yeah. maybe you don't know. Our bloghouse, Kid Cudi is coming out, and Kanye sort of paving the way for a rapper with a different style. Yes, someone that's not. Street at all, and Rap their subject matter with is indie not...
0: music, kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah.
1: skinny jeans rap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And you have,
0: pe- you have Skateboarder people in the blog culture house and space. rap coming together. Yeah, like, which also makes cool me kids. wonder if, like, for the cool kids, oh my god, this also makes me wonder if, like, Pharrell is kind of an important He thing is, here. Yeah. he
1: is, because Pharrell collaborated with. Uffy. Right. I was oh thinking about Uffy because yeah. I'm profiling Uffy right now for Nylon. Her yeah. new record is coming out in like 10 days. It's oh, really wow. good. But Pharrell, insanely famous a solo, but also as a producer, iconic, yeah. has a song with Uffy on her debut record mm. in 2010, I believe. Yeah. The Sex, Dreams, and Denim Jeans, which is on Ed Banger. And that's the last wow. record she ever made. In, we start getting this indie quote unquote skateboard adjacent skinny jeans rapper culture which is great it's like more room for more people to do this and so the people in the bloghouse space that are killing it in that are maybe like the cool kids who are really taking from boom bap yes. 80s rap come on
0: the dino with uh-huh. the back Black, black mag i know a black, mag, black mag black mag i know But then
1: we have someone like Kid Cudi and we have Day and Night which is an interesting rap song in the sense that it's a tempo it's kind of depressive yeah. the subject matter is dark
0: It's really prescient actually to what most rap sounds like today at the time yeah. it seemed kind of different It was one of the big moments for like emo rap like that mm-hmm. is now <laughs> day rigueur everywhere Yeah Yeah cuz Day and Night the Lonely Stoner seems to free his mind at night He's all alone
1: through the day and night The Lonely owner seems to free his mind But the thing that explodes that song, mm-hmm. and this is a perfect example of the ecosystem, the economics, the system of yeah. Bloghouse, is a remix by Crookers, which is a duo from a small town in Italy. The way that they found that song, Crookers is just they're doing their laundry right. in Italy. Right. They're on MySpace, yeah. which is the de facto platform of the sure, time, sure. and MySpace is. So important because it had music streaming capabilities, which no social media has had since. Mm -hmm. They come across this song day and night and it was put out by Fool's Gold, but they don't know that yet. They DM Kid Cudi and they're like, hey, can we have the stems? We want to remix this. And he's like, yo, talk to my label. And it's Fool's Gold. They're like, oh, we know Fool's yeah. Gold. We're in the same space. Right. They talk to Fool's Gold. They get the stems. They do this remix, which is the day and night Crooker's remix. Mm-hmm. And that song takes the original song and blows it up. Yeah. It gets to number two on the dance chart, mm-hmm. only below Lady Gaga. Yeah, right. So there we go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day and night,
0: the At, at, at night. That song was just humongous in the club. Everywhere. That was like, Everywhere. that was like peak... DJ set for me in this year. I remember it so well, like in my early career. Hip-hop
1: lovers, pop lovers, dance music lovers. It
0: crossed all those boundaries. Totally.
1: Yeah. And that song was a mainstream hit. Right. But it was that kind of weird glitchy dance music blog house sound. And the guys in Crookers told me, they were like, we didn't even master that song. And we have a feeling the one that's circulating is still that version.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. That's so fascinating. That's so Yeah. yeah, So
1: that's a really good example. And I think that was in 2008
0: the other person i wanted to bring into the mix that kind of bridges these worlds is calvin harris i mean people really become familiar Hell with calvin yes. harris as like a mainstream pop producer during like the 2010 to 20 to the present day kind of hot streak that he's been yeah. on but really in this period he was much more of a blog house artist like in terms of like 1000%. Ex, you know ready for the weekend acceptable in the 80s That was right around 08, right? Absolutely. So,
1: yeah, he has that album. I created Disco. I think it's 2007 or 2008. Yeah. I had this experience at Coachella 2008 seeing calvin harris who i had never i didn't really know much about him yeah. these people i was with were like let's go see him i was like okay yeah found out about him from seeing him live which yeah. is like that doesn't happen anymore everyone that plays there you've already heard oh, of you can already find them yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a different experience yeah. he was singing live like you know he sings on some of his pop songs oh, yeah. like summer feel so um, close Yeah, which are amazing. I love Calvin Harris. I couldn't get an interview with him for the book, which breaks my heart, but obviously he is discussed in the book. Uh But he's a great example of like, he was kind of this like lanky, not hot Scottish boy singing, playing synthesizer, really taking inspiration from cheesy elements of the 80s, kind of creating this persona of this like ladies man. He had his shutter shades and then he moves from that. Into producing songs with pop artists, producing. When we talk about, as we'll get into it, like the end of Bloghouse, the beginning of EDM, I say 2011 around Avicii Levels, also RIP, right. another icon. Uh-huh. And I don't mean as in fuck Levels, that ruined everything. No. Not at all. Levels is an amazing song. And Levels
0: <laughs> has a lot of the elements of Bloghouse in it, including that ambient sample that repeats yeah. itself.
1: It takes everything we learned from Bloghouse, but it has this pristine, perfect, expensive studio sound yeah. that's ready to be licensed by the NFL for commercials, right, which right. is what happened, right. followed by every other commercial ever. Calvin Harris, where Avicii wasn't making music in Bloghouse at the time, but I'm sure was learning from it, Calvin Harris was. And then he kind of takes a step back, reemerges, gets super fit, new teeth, dates Slick. Taylor Swift, Slick. and becomes a pop star, never sings live again, right? and then starts being one of the first examples of the, like, billion-dollar Vegas EDM residency ecosystem and headliner music festival culture, DJ as a rock star, where even though he's making these songs, all he has to do, perform live, is DJ them. Yeah. He's a really good example of someone that took everything they learned from this. Diplo is as well. Mm, Um, Diplo. Have
0: we not talked about Diplo? And
1: took their notes and became mainstream pop
0: famous yeah.
1: famous famous produced so many songs on the radio like Rihanna Beyonce sampling Pond du Fleur, is Diplo's transition like there's just they're two really good examples of people who really crossed over
0: I feel like feel so close in a weird way is a pivotal shift because I feel like feels so close as a song that has elements of Bloghouse in it, but also yes. it feels like one of the superlative early EDM explosion yes. songs.
1: That's in 2011. I remember when that song came out, it's so, it really comes from sounds of Bloghouse, but the production, obviously the whole package around it is pop and major label ready. There's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. It doesn't need to get big on blogs by this point. Blogs are falling out of favor because media companies, whether it's Vice, Billboard, MTV, are covering this music too Mm -hmm. with all the resources. So blogs don't really, they're not really leading the way. All of the websites they used to use to distribute the music are getting shut down. And then Spotify comes to America in 2011. And then you can put this music that has cleared samples because there is a budget on Spotify, on Apple Music, and then people consume it that way. I love Feel So Close. It is such a good song. Oh, me
0: too. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. EDM got to a certain point like in 13, you know, whatever, where I was just like, mm-hmm. "I'm." if I hear one more fucking synthetic dance drop yeah. that has no yeah. feeling to it, I'm going to scream. But Feel So Close was like before that, you know, it was like, it was when it was, and as I said, I think it's because it straddles these worlds like Calvin Harris I remember during that time still felt to me like still connected to that sort of acceptable in the 80s I created disco vibe it was before I even realized what he was going to become I guess and I also think these songs are really loaded with personality and that's something Mm -hmm. that you've really helped highlight throughout this conversation which is like they all sounded very different and distinct from each other in this weird way and that is not what you would say about the mainstream EDM of 2010 to 2013 or whatever
1: absolutely and then that's when we get like quote unquote EDM trap which then is like you know beloved by like college bros because it's just headbanging get fucked up music in a sort of like less wholesome way than this other thing was another thing I note bringing it back starting with Coachella and ending with Coachella is in two thousand. 11, 2012, Coachella moves to two weekends. Right. And begins to sell out before the lineup is even announced. Right. So what that solidifies is, whereas you used to be like, okay, who do I want to see? Do I want to go to see these people? It's now... The brand of Coachella is so reliable and the idea of experiencing a music festival is what everyone 18 to 28 is saving their money for. Right. It doesn't matter who's playing. Right. You just want to go. Right. It's like Molly culture. Right. You just want to go get fucked up and watch whoever. Right. It doesn't matter if you know the songs. Right. You just want to go and party. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that was a very, very different driving factor than how it was before. And so Coachella sets the precedent. And then every weekend in America there's another festival. Right. Like Golden Voice and Live Nation create all these subsidiary brands. And Vegas has residencies with Calvin Harris, Diplo, and the bubble burst. It's not like that anymore. But there was so much money being put into I EDM know. because it's wild. every young person just wanted to go listen to whatever. Yeah. They didn't care if they knew what it was. And maybe they would get lucky. This is also when Zed got really big, mm, Skrillex, mm-hmm. which are very different sounds. Zed also goes to make amazing pop songs later, but he kind of came when that was already set yeah. up.
0: Like Diplo, I associate with this a little bit because I also think MIA is part of the Blockhouse yeah, discussion. Absolutely. Like MIA was another incredibly singular sounding artist who was incorporating lots of disparate different dance sounds and world sounds into her music thanks to Diplo. Like yeah. I think of Bucky Dunn Gun as a kind of like early wave almost Black House song.
1: Yeah, MIA, Santigold.
0: Yeah, Santigold. I think something we haven't touched on is I feel like a huge part of this movement was the technological advances in music production. This had a DIY feel to it, a lot of it. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of this felt like this was getting made not in some expensive music studio, but on your laptop on Ableton and And Logic in your apartment. And that was such a huge innovation that was occurring simultaneously to this. Like most of these DJs weren't booking time at, you know, whatever Mm hotshot, studio Mm -hmm. in LA or New York. They could make these big sounding, expensive sounding records, even if they were sort of like rough around the edges that could get played in a major club setting next to, you know, more mainstream, super pristine pop songs. And they could do the entire thing on their laptops.
1: Absolutely. I mean, obviously there is gatekeeping and there were barriers, but in terms of music production, as well as music distribution and consumption, there's more software than ever before. Also like Serato Scratch Live is coming out and DJing live. changes as I'm sure you obviously you know (laughs) like you don't have to bring around your vinyl and it's like everything becomes so digital which is so perfectly suited for the way that we're downloading these songs from blogs yeah and it's just the synergy of all of that but yeah it becomes so much easier for better and worse and it's just completely different way of making music nobody was booking sessions no so like there was no financial risk really in that way And they're not clearing samples. It's like they're just ripping shit online and making it themselves. And then with these latter end Calvin Harris or yeah. Diplo or Zed or yeah. Avicii, those things are being made, even if the demo is being made on a laptop, it's being made in a studio. It's being mastered by a super professional person. Not only is the marketing package more professional, but everything about the recording is too. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so different. I like agree. it sounds so Pristine, And some of the character is lost in that for some more than others. But it's because finally it can be on the radio. It can yeah. be in commercials.
0: I was going to say, like, I feel like maybe some of the points where this starts to maybe wind down, I mean, you're going to know better than me, but I really keep wanting to talk about Pumped Up Kicks because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Pumped Up Kicks qualifies as a Blockhouse song. I mean, in a way, I remember associating it with, like, Empire of the Sun, and mm-hmm. which I kind of would think is adjacent to that. And then... Also, the sounds of Bloghouse really became mainstreamed in the ways we were talking about. But also, like we talked about TikTok and Uffy. I mean, a song like Katy Perry's Birthday on Prism doesn't sound that different to me than like a Chromio song like Jealous. Like mm. at a certain point these things start to like mash together in a way that sort of like mm-hmm. takes off the underground coolness factor of yeah. the Blog house sound and thus kind of like ends it as a thing.
1: That's a great point. Something like Pumped Up Kicks Foster the People or Empire of the Sun. They're really great examples of like whereas that sound might have existed, The 12s remixing Two Door Cinema Club. Right. I love that. Now instead of having an indie rock band remixed by an electronic act you just get right. an indie group right. that already sounds like the hybrid exactly and you skip <laughs> the steps exactly
0: it. do you know exactly what i mean yes. and empire
1: of the sun is interesting because like they were participating in radio single culture like they have one big song but yeah. they were getting booked in festivals everywhere and they had this very elaborate stage performance it was mm-hmm. built for music festivals mm-hmm. and music festival culture is booming at this time people are going to see them even though they just know that one song I would say Pumped Up Kicks is kind of like they're making notes off of Justice remixing MGMT and right. just doing it exactly all in one exactly and giving it a little bit more of like a slightly more palatable, radio-friendly
0: feel. I mean, same could be said for, as you mentioned earlier, for Run the World Girls just taking the beat of Pwn the Floor and essentially just, like, giving it Beyonce on top of it. You know what I mean? Like, the way that mainstream pop subsumed these sounds ended the genre. Like, you know what I mean? Totally.
1: Also, the trend veers away from this chorus-driven, 80s, disco-y, indie dance A lot of people were calling Bloghouse music indie dance or electro or at the time. new so disco. You know,
0: remember new disco,
1: disco yeah, yeah. <laughs> N <And> U <you> dash. <laughs> but in terms of dance music, now dance music is so popular in America that people are listening to. It almost goes back to that uns uns Swedish yeah. House Mafia yeah. like progressive house European sound mm-hmm. or. EDM trap, you know, you have the Flostradamus's or American dubstep, you have the Skrillexes, and it's that drop culture. It moves way closer to that. It's either the pop version of Blog House or the new popular dance music in America. All the blogs kind of shut down. A lot of the parties that were playing this music shut down because they have too much competition from these like ticketed events being thrown by these large promotional companies. And the few ones that sustained kind of have to change the music that they were playing, as you mentioned, because the people that are going don't want to hear the other stuff. So they have to start playing EDM, dubstep, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of them do that because they want to keep doing it. And some of them decide they would rather not. And they just shut it down. Some people moved with the tides. Some people, you know, adjust, whatever. But all of those things, the in-person clubs, the moving from illegal downloads to Spotify, mm. the blog shutting down in favor mm-hmm. of other stuff. All of these things are happening in tandem overnight, and suddenly there's kind of no landscape for Bloghouse as we knew it to exist. Yeah. But you can still hear bits of it in songs today, like we said.
0: I want to ask you about, I guess we'll start with, what are, if you were going to just introduce someone to Blog yeah. House who really yeah. had never heard any of this before, maybe they're younger, maybe they're a Zoomer, mm-hmm. what are, like, the five essential Blog House songs?
1: Yes. So I made my list. I made my two lists. Okay. So OG, just, like perfectly define this and were very, very popular at the time. We have Uffy's Pop the Glock. Yep, iconic. Sound like Twister, fast as hell. I rope this beat in you know? Extremely influential on TikTok. Yeah. And again, we're talking about TikTok by Kesha. Not TikTok,
0: not TikTok the yeah. <laughs> um,
1: The Day and Night Crookers remix of Course. Kid Putty, as mm-hmm. mentioned. Amazing pop, hip hop, crossover hit. An example of of a remix being bigger than an original and it forges a relationship between them. They end up working together on the Crookers album. We have D-A-N-C-E by Justice. Mm -hmm. Super singable, dancey song. We have the namesake of the book, which is We Are Your Friends. Credited as Simeon versus Justice, it originated as a rock song by the indie rock band Simeon. Gets remixed by Justice, and then instead of just being a remix, it's kind of a collaboration. Mm-hmm. So that's the the iconic call and response because we are your friends. DJ turns down the volume, audience screams back. you all never be alone again.
0: god you are like taking i'm like literally <laughs> gonna start crying because like this is like and mine. then
1: we have as i mentioned as we talked about the Yaya yeah, yeah, heads will roll a track remix which is another example of an a large indie rock band getting remixed by A-Track. And that song lingers to this day. It's just trending on TikTok. You can
0: play all of these songs, but this one in particular, you can still play this in a club and people are like, Mm -hmm. lose their fucking marbles over that remix. One of the best. Absolutely. A-Track
1: is still playing it. And again, because I think it's kind of having its second or third life right now with Gen Z on TikTok. But those are Mm -hmm. my like five songs. We have rap, we have remixes, we have girl talk singing rap. Uh I think they kind of, embody the top level elements of yeah. bloghouse. And then I have some not deep cuts but sort of different I want to hear yeah, I want to hear
0: I want to hear like your favorites from the era. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, of course, when talking about this book, people ask me this and I don't want to just give people the same songs. So, I I picked a couple of songs that aren't in Okay. Some other lists that I've made. Okay. So the first one we did talk about a little bit, which is ADV SUV, which is the Pharrell and Uffy song. Uh-huh. Really fun. Perfect example of people say this was some blip that no one knew about. Pharrell knew about it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's well, a great Pharrell, song. Pharrell is irrit- has always Pharrell kind of had knows. his ear to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He knows. That's a really fun song. It's uh-huh. from the first Uffy album. Yeah. Stuck on repeat. The fake blood remix oh, of Little
0: Boots. Stuck, on, stuck repeat. on repeat! Oh my god, there, Little Boots? Where is Little Boots? <laughs> Find her! Stuck
1: on repeat. Remember New in Town? Yeah, that was such a great song. Oh my god. So that's It's like an indie pop girly, kind of like you were talking yeah. about like the... I don't want to say secondary pop, but it's like, you know. Yeah,
0: like the niche girl. That kind she, of Little, indie Little Boots
1: was like... was Niche like girls. In, yeah, she was that's in the Robin calling,
0: right? era. Yeah, Robin. Yes. The Ting Ting.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's a great remix. Fake Blood. Okay, then I have To Protect and Entertain, Busy PN and remixed uh-huh. by Crookers. This is a fun one because like Mers. From Living Legends, he's like an OG rappers rapper. Uh-huh. Collaborates with Busy P, the founder of Ed Banger Records, and this song is so fun because the lyrics are all about a night out in L.A. in the Bloghouse era. Wow! So we talk about going to CineSpace, going to the Standard Hotel, getting photographed by Cobra Snake and Ronnie's photo booth. There's so oh many God. little Easter eggs. Yeah.
0: LA, city is small. Hipsters, sneakers, balls. I got the fly from Amiibo Records. I-, I called up T and I said, Yo, let's check this. I heard that these right things chicks get naked, and I got a dick that's his. As-
1: It's kind of talking about Busy P taking Murs out And he doesn't know much about this And he's learning about that And there's this line that's like I heard at these rave things chicks get naked And I just (laughs) love that (laughs) So that's an amazing track Love it There's an original and the Crookers remix And then this is another fun indie rock remix Drugs in my body by Thieves Like Us Uh The designer drugs remix Uh Go downtown with the drugs in my Uh body Really Uh fun song I
0: remember this one
1: And then I was thinking about my last one. I wanted to put something by Mastercraft, which is another great example because Jesse from Mastercraft was in Death From Above 1979, like a hard garagey, heavy rock band. And then as he shifts from that to dance music, that path is very clear. I'm going to pick, this is another example of pop mainstream collab, Heartbreaker by Mastercraft with John Legend. Oh, with I John saw John Legend. Per-
0: oh my god. John Legend? Yeah.
1: I saw him sing on that live at Coachella yeah. in 2009 yeah. and I lost my mind. It's such a good song. He's such an amazing voice. It's like a dance sad love track. Oh, it's so good.
0: You're in my mind. So those are my songs. Thank you so much. Can I throw a couple in the mix? That I just have, like have come Obviously. to my mind. Or okay, one. Cut, copy, hearts on fire. Oh my gosh. A classic. Love it. Love cut coffee. Okay. Hot chip ready for the floor, but also. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Love that. Shake
0: a fist. Shake a fist. <laughs> Girl, okay. I'm just like, as I have you here, these are just like flooding yes, into yes. my mind. Those are two that just like really always like stood out to me as some of my personal favorites from the cut. Copy
1: is such a good example of like these sort of indie dance bands, yeah, that were just thriving, like Bag Raiders and stuff yeah. like that. Love them, and
0: also Crystal Castles vanished. Yes.
1: All of Crystal Castles, yes. I mean, iconic. That is such a great example of like a band that has that very distorted, bad quality, but that's what's rock and roll about it feel of Bloghouse.
0: Yeah. Should we go out on Vanished? Yeah, we should. Okay. Anything else you want to throw in the mix here?
1: No, I'm good with that. I mean, this yeah. was so fun. It's, it really it's was. like You know, it's so fun to talk about this with you because of the focus of the podcast being like pop and yeah. – this is part of it is the pantheon you know? I know I'm so glad um,
0: we got to do this because it's just like as I said we talk about this all the time and I feel like people are kind of like what the fuck are they saying exactly so fair this yeah was, I hope this, this gave was, some people it really did some
1: context and also if you if
0: you liked this definitely go get Lena's book it's called Never Be Alone Again How Blog House United the Internet and the Dance Floor because I think people are going to listen to this and realize they love this music
1: absolutely you know if you like this please you know pick it up it's on Amazon it's at whatever bookstore it has over 50 Different interviews and so many interesting fun stories, and we'll really paint the picture for you. And it has some fun little treats thrown out there. For example, blog house horoscopes. Mm. So if you get it, please at me and I would love to hear what you think.
0: Okay, so let's go out on Vanish by Crystal Castles. Nina, yes. thank you so so much for being on the show.
1: Of course, thank you for having me.